Well, as we gather here on this second Sunday of, um, of Advent, um, we are confronted with uh, Isaiah and John the Baptist. I, I always find uh, folks always struggle with these first two Sundays of Advent because uh, we want to hurry up and get to the joy to the world uh, of peace and uh, love and, and, and all of that. And yet on these first two Sundays, uh, the prophets confront us and Scripture confronts us uh, to take an assessment of the world around us first and to uh, prepare ourselves so that uh, we are not just singing joy to the world with some superficial words, but we are singing joy to the world because it truly comes from the bottom of our hearts. And so this second Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about uh, the fact that uh, we need to acknowledge that the world is a mess. And so this Sunday, the question is, is what do we do with the mess uh, that exists in the world? And as I was preparing, I couldn't help but remember um, one of my children, um, I, I won't mention his name, um, whoops, uh, but um, when he went off to college, um, he apparently went into a bathroom that he shared. He lived in one of these apartments where there's two of them on one side and two on the other, and they share a bathroom, and, and he went into the bathroom one morning, and, and it was a disaster, um, I, I guess, and, and later that day, he, he, he called up, and he talked to his mother, and he said, Mom, I just, I don't understand what's going on here. The bathroom is such a mess. My bathroom at home never looked this way. Now, he was serious about this. Um, he knew there was a mess, and he knew the right person to call. It wasn't me. It was his mother. Um, and she tried to gently explain to him that his bathroom at home hadn't been a mess because when he would go off to school, she would go in and clean up what he had left behind, and he was now just experiencing the mess he had left behind, and nobody had come to clean up. And so uh, I think in some ways uh, that is the call for us this day is to wake up and to see the mess around us um, and uh, while we may want to look for someone else, I think it begins with looking at ourselves. Now, I, I will just say this in my son's defense. Um, he may have learned this from one of the two of us in the family. And it wasn't Deb. <laughs> uh, this day, um, we hear the prophet Isaiah uh, speak to us. Um, to speak to us in the midst of mess and chaos. Uh, from the prophet Isaiah, we're going to read here from Isaiah 40. Uh, the, the first part of Isaiah is, um, is this message of a warning to the Israelites. It's a message of warning that if they continue to keep going down the path that they are going down, where they uh, reject God, where they uh, fail to participate in justice, where uh, they uh, don't help the oppressed, where they uh, don't uh, plead and care for the orphans and the widows, uh, that there will be trouble. And then in uh, chapter 40, we begin to hear a message of hope uh, as, as Isaiah almost has uh, relinquish the fact that Israel is going to get themselves in a mess of trouble. And so he wants them to hear this message when they're in this mess of trouble. 
He wants them to hear this message from God. And so both uh, this passage and the passage from Mark speak to us in the midst of that. So here are these words from Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your, your God. Speak compassionately to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her uh, service has ended, that her penalty has been paid, that, that she has received from the Lord for all of her sins. A voice is crying out, clear the Lord's way in the desert. Make a level highway in the wilderness for our God. Every valley will be raised up and every mountain and hill will be flattened. Uneven ground will become level. Rough terrain, a valley, a plain. The Lord's glory will appear and all humanity will see it together. The Lord's mouth has commanded it. A voice was saying, call out. And another said, what should I call out? All flesh is grass and all its loyalty like flowers of the field. The grass dries up and the flowers wither. When the Lord's breath blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass dries up, the flowers wither, but God's word will exist forever. In other words, in this passage, what God is saying to the people in that small section there, God is saying uh, that when we rely simply on human efforts, um, we will be disappointed, but when we rely on God, we will not. And it continues in this passage to say, Go up on a high mountain, messenger Zion. Raise your voice and shout. Raise it. Don't be afraid. Say to the city of Judah, Here is your God. Here is the Lord God coming with strength, with a triumphant arm, bringing his reward with him and his payment before him. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock. He will gather lambs in his arm and lift them onto his lap. He will gently guide and nurse the lambs. And then in Mark chapter 1, we read these, verse, these words from um, Mark um, 1, 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John was in the wilderness. He was calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and they were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I am coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strip, strap of his sandal. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God and respond this day. I love the passage from Isaiah because it reminded the people of Israel that even in the midst of their trouble, that God was coming. God had not abandoned the people, in, and there was this promise. 
uh, as the prophet and John the Baptist uh, look back to the past, uh, we, they look back to the past to be reminded of all the times that God had continued to act in the lives of Israel or, or in our days in the days of the church. They look back and they are reminded that God always acts, that God is always at work, that God comes and He reveals Himself afresh and anew. Uh, there is this hope when we look around and we see this mess around us. There is this hope that God will come. And if we're honest with ourselves, our real hope is that God will come and take care of it and we don't have to do anything about it, yes? Uh, but both Isaiah and the prophet John, John the Baptist, both tell us uh, that, that as we um, hear the proclamation that God is coming, that God is coming afresh and anew, that we are called not just to wait and twiddle our thumbs, but we are called to prepare the way. Prepare the way. Well, what does that mean to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. Well, last week I suggested that one way that we prepare for the way if we listen to the prophets is to simply look around and to acknowledge the mess that is around us. To acknowledge what we see and to acknowledge the reality and to do so without losing hope that God is at work even if we do not see him. This week if we listen to uh, if we listen to the message in Mark we hear that there are some very specific things that we are called to do. And it begins as we look around at this mess. As we look around at this mess, it, it calls us to acknowledge our part in the mess, I think. Don't you think? See, so often I think in, when we look around at the mess, if, if you're like, I've got some props here that I need. If you're like me, sometimes I look around at the mess, right? There's maybe some things out here. And I may go around even, sometimes I just go around and do this, right? Deb will tell you that's what I do around the house too often. I kind of kick it out of the way and just keep walking in the mess. Uh, sometimes I'll pick up the mess. Sometimes I'll wonder, who in the world made the mess and why don't they do something about it? Uh, but here's the problem. I don't realize as I'm doing this, this is what's going on behind me. Yes? Any of you do that? Uh, sometimes we think that the mess, where did that come from? Sometimes we think that the mess that we see is always the result of someone else. Somebody else needs to do something to straighten this up and to stop contributing to the mess. On the second Sunday of, and I'm not saying that, that I'm the only one that contributes to the mess, Right? You contribute to the mess too, don't you, Kobe? Maybe, okay. Maybe not. Uh, but on the second Sunday of Advent, the prophet and John the Baptist, they invite us to just for a moment to consider that maybe we contribute to the mess. You know, maybe just for this Sunday that we think about maybe how... And so when John talks about uh, confessing our sins, that's really what he's talking about. 
See, if we're going to prepare the way for the Lord, the first thing we need to do is we need to uh, see the mess and then we need to acknowledge that we play a part in the mess in which we live. And we need to look around and, and on this Sunday, instead of, of saying, well, if so-and-so would just stop this, or if they wouldn't do that, or uh, if, instead of looking at everybody else in the world and saying, if they would just change their ways, instead of just crying out for God to come and to make it go away, we might take a moment to look at ourselves, to reflect on how we might contribute to the mess that exists in the world. Now, that is not an easy thing for us to do. But this is what the prophets called Israel to do over and over throughout their history. The prophets called Israel uh, to look and to see. Uh, they would come and they would do their rituals and their worship and they would do all of this. And at points in time, God would say, I'm sick of your rituals and your offering uh, because you just continue to act in ways in which not only do you ignore injustice, you participate in injustice. Not only do you not help the people who are oppressed, but you step on their necks and oppress them more. Not only do you not plead for the widow and care for the orphan, uh, but you create more widows and more orphans by the things that you do and by the things that you simply are apathetic about. On this day, on this day, the prophet challenges us to reflect on the ways in which we participate, even, even uh, those of us who, who want so much to clean things up and set things right, it's good for us to stop and to reflect and look behind us just to be sure we're not leaving a mess behind us. How we go about participating with the Spirit in cleaning up the mess is important if we do it in ways that just leave more brokenness and hurt and pain behind us, then are we really preparing the way for the Lord? And so, after we've looked around at the mess, John the Baptist and our readings this Sunday, they challenge us to acknowledge our part to confess, to confess. In other words, to itemize those things. Ah, God, I, I know that I, I do this thing. I, I know that I make messes. You know, when Deb was out in Philadelphia taking care of the grandkids, I, I got up the morn, the first morning after I was home. And um, I was amazed at the mess in the house. There was mail all over the counter. There was dishes from the night before. What in the world happened? I was the only one there. I guess I made it. And, uh, you know, part of that 
I'm, I'm still learning, dear. I'm not there yet. Uh, but, but part of that made me real. I mean, is that what living with me is like? <sighs> Lord, I'm married to a saint. <sighs> I, I, I mean, <sighs> I, I, she was only, I was only there alone for 12 hours. And I was sleeping eight of it. <sighs> well, maybe six. But, but you get the point. I'm, I mean, Part of this begins, we see the mess, we acknowledge our part, we confess uh, that we participate in the mess. And, and, and then we say, well, that's okay, she'll deal with it. No? What's the step after confessing our... Uh, we're called to repent. In the common English, it says change our hearts and lives, but the word is repent, because too often when we hear the word repent, what, what that means is um, sorry, dear, I made this mess. Um, now will you clean it up and I'll go make one over here. Um, and, and I'll be sorry for that one too. Often that's what we mean when we say repent. It's, it's very superficial. But repent in Scripture means not that we're just sorry, not just that we acknowledge our part, not just that we confess our part, but when we acknowledge it and when we see it, we at least seek to change our ways. We at least seek to allow God to change our hearts and our lives, to redirect them and to realign them. When I get home, she's going to say, when are you going to start on that? But, but you get the point? It, it really is not good enough. If what we do is we acknowledge the problem... We see the mess. We acknowledge our part. We say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Um, come and, and clean it up while I keep throwing stuff out the back that continues to make the mess. As if God exists simply to clean up the messes that we make. And so if we're going to prepare the way for God, we need to see, we need to acknowledge, we need to confess, and we need to be willing to turn around to turn around from our sinful ways and our broken ways, to turn away from those ways in which we contribute to the brokenness in the world and instead to turn toward God and toward Jesus and to start simply by not contributing to the brokenness and the mess around us. To be the example and to be the change that we would like to see in the world. That's what the prophet Isaiah, that's what John the Baptist in Mark comes to challenge us to do on this Sunday. God is coming. Christ is coming. God has done it over and over through the history of Israel and through uh, the church. In the midst of struggle, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the mess, God is here and God is coming to reveal Himself afresh and anew. But if we're going to be ready, if we're truly going to see it, if we're going to truly participate with this new thing that God is doing, we have to begin to prepare ourselves if we don't see it, if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't confess it, if we are not willing to change our ways, then we might even miss the coming of Christ afresh and anew. That's what happened. 
to the Pharisees and to the temple leaders when Jesus came. They were so busy denying their participation, failing to confess in their own ways and participating in it, expecting that God would only act in the ways that they anticipated, that they missed the coming of God afresh and anew in the person of Jesus. They missed the one who came to lead and to show the way. They missed. They missed this baptism of the Holy Spirit that John talked about. They missed the coming and the receiving of the Holy Spirit in their lives, which enabled uh, them to not just confess their sins, but also enabled uh, their lives to be transformed. On this second Sunday of Advent, we look around, we see the mess, we acknowledge the mess, we refrain from saying somebody ought to do something about that or so-and-so ought to stop doing this and the mess would go away. We look at ourselves, we acknowledge what we have done, we confess to God how we have contributed to the mess and the brokenness in the world. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to turn from our ways and to turn to God's ways so that we no longer are complicit or maybe we're at least less complicit in the brokenness that goes on in the world. It really does little good to cry for God to come and clean up the mess if we are not willing to stop participating in it. If we're just going to call for God to come and clean it up so we can keep throwing stuff out and, and, and continue to make a mess. And so on this Sunday, we hear the words of the prophet and of John the Baptist. They are a call to prepare the way, not just by having some high degree of moral character. They are a call to prepare the way not just by seeing it and acknowledging it and confessing it, but they were called to prepare the way by aligning ourselves with God's ways. They are a call not just for high moral character, but they are a call for living a virtuous life. A life that promotes and enacts human flourishing. Because if we're honest, if we see the way of Jesus, if we remember the Sermon on the Mount that we studied last year, God desires for all of humanity to flourish. When we acknowledge our part, when we stop acting as if everything is about me, when we stop saying, I'm going to do what's right for me, regardless of what it does to other people, and when we begin to realize and acknowledge our part and confess our part in creating the mess and creating the brokenness in the world, then when we cry out to God, we'll truly be open to the Holy Spirit 
which will then come and fill us and work deep within us, helping us to be more aligned with Christ, helping us to stop contributing to the mess and instead be a part of the cleanup crew, be a part of of the road crew of Jesus which comes to redeem the mess that we are in so that we might flourish here on earth so that the kingdom of heaven might truly break into our world and all people, all people might experience the power and the presence and the love and the grace of the God who keeps coming, who keeps revealing Himself over and over and over again. God is coming. Christ is coming afresh and anew. Will we prepare the way for that coming this Advent? Amen. And now I invite us to prepare our hearts for communion on this Sunday. You know, I, I remind uh, folks, because we are in, uh, in this weird pandemic, that um, we've been doing communion a little differently. Uh, But I just want to remind folks of a couple of things. First of all, this table, this invitation to participate is not um, to participate in the United Methodist table, but it is to participate in Christ's table. It is Christ that calls us together. And we would not normally do communion virtually like this. And I think it... it, um, It takes a little bit away from communion, and yet, in the reality of how we are living, the choice is either not to do communion or to trust that the Spirit works in powerful and mysterious ways. And despite the fact that we cannot be all together, despite the fact that we cannot share from a common bread and common cup, that those of you who are out there and who have your your bread and your cup uh, there alive as we do this this day, uh, that the Spirit that the Spirit can bless those elements and that as you hear these words of the great thanksgiving and our confession, that, um, that the Spirit can work in and through them and you and us all, even though we're not able to come forward, if we open our hearts, can experience the great mystery of God revealing Himself in and through this great sacrament. And so I ask us, um, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's a prayer of acknowledgement and confession. And so I invite you to, to hear these words. Let them rattle around in your hearts and allow the Spirit to speak to you as together we pray this prayer. Gracious God, where there seems to be no way to end the conflict of violence in our time. We pray that you would teach us, O Christ, to prepare the way. Where we can see no way to provide for the needs of people, 
We pray that you would show us, O Christ, how we can participate in preparing the way. When we can find no way to work for justice, we pray that you would change us, O Christ, until we begin to prepare that way of justice. Where we are unable to believe in a way to live simply and responsibly and mindfully, we pray that you would inspire us, O Christ, to a faith that prepares the way. In a world where we are tempted to see so many of our challenges as dead ends, when we are tempted to see the mess in which we end as a call for despair or to point the fingers at other people, we pray for a new vision, a new heart, and a new commitment that we ourselves would open ourselves to your Spirit so that that Spirit might prepare the way for you to reign in our hearts and in our lives, so that we and others might experience your grace, they might experience liberation and justice and peace, and they might experience that shalom, that well-being of life, they might experience flourishing even in the midst of the mess and the chaos. In Christ's name, amen. And now here, these join in this prayer of the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, God Almighty. Indeed, no matter how big the mess might be, no matter how bad things might look, we know that you are at work. We saw in the garden that when Adam and Eve decided to chase after their own ways, uh, that you continued to be with them. When they turned their back on you, you did not turn your back on them. You continued to speak to them and to talk to them. We see how you delivered the people of Israel from bondage, and we see how you allowed the people of Israel to return from exile. And, And we see how after a long period of what seemed like your silence, you came in the person of Jesus. And we know from that story that you are at work. And we know from your story that you continue to come. That even though we sin, you continue to love us and to invite us. To invite us to join with you in cleaning up the mess around us. And so, with your people on earth and all your company of heaven, we praise your name and we join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, whose who's coming whose coming revealed to us 
your loving and compassionate ways, who's coming, revealed to us a way of life that doesn't contribute to the brokenness and the hurt and the pain of this world. Through Jesus, you came offering all humans a path to human flourishing. And by, his, by the baptism of His suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and you made with us a new covenant by water and by a Spirit that comes to dwell in us to continue to shape us and to transform us so that we might make a true difference in the lives of other people. And so as we gather here, This evening, we are reminded that on the night before Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, do this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. Then after the supper, he took the cup. Again, he he gave thanks. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of a new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so it is. In remembrance of the mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the great mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Indeed, as we gather here, as we gather virtually, pour out your Spirit upon us. As we gather in your name and in your presence, pour out your Spirit upon the gift of of bread and cup, not only that are here on this table in this sanctuary, but pour out your Spirit upon the gift of bread and cup that reside in the households throughout Cameron and throughout uh, this worship service. Pour out your Spirit upon them. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ. Redeemed by Your blood. Filled with your spirit. So that we might constantly be changing and be transformed into the people who live and love like Jesus. So that we might truly make a difference in the lives of other people. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to the world until Christ shall come in final victory. And we will all celebrate the flourishing of humanity and the flourishing of God's kingdom on this earth. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit in your Holy Church, all honor and glory be yours, Almighty God. And all the people said, Amen. And now I invite us to join together as we offer up a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, In heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread 
and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And now I invite you, whether you're here in the sanctuary or whether you're at home, I remind you that it is Christ that invites you to partake. And it is as we dip the bread in the cup and we partake. We are confident that we receive Christ afresh and anew into our lives. And we are thankful for that presence of Christ in us and among us. Gracious God, we thank you for this great mystery in which you share yourself with us. Indeed, Lord, as we partake of the bread and the cup, may we receive your spirit afresh and anew so that the Spirit might help us to prepare the way for the coming of Christ, so that His ways might be revealed, and justice and peace and joy and love might be experienced by more and more people. In Christ's name, amen.